With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Blog Talk Radio. Hello and welcome. And this is Cindy Meyer, your host of the weekly Wake Up With Spirit show offered on Friday mornings. And we have been, um, I've been on the air since 2006, starting in a traditional studio and then in 2008, we um, switched over to the internet platform with Blog Talk Radio. And what I like about Blog Talk, there's many things I like, and one of them is that the minute the show is finished, it will be a downloadable podcast that you can listen to at any hour of the day or night. You can also share the link with other people. Um, So let me tell you just a little bit about Spirit Seeker before I bring my guests onto the air Spirit Seeker is a publication um, that has been on the front lines of healing for over uh, 24 years. We started as a quarterly newsletter, then went to a a six-time-a-year printed magazine, and then in 2002, we went to monthly, and we have been monthly ever since. And uh, we cover everything from the mind, the body, and the spirit to sound healing, to meditation, to um, all kinds of different things, different ways to um, approach healing on all levels and just having a healthier, happier lifestyle. So we have been digital online since 1998 with a print magazine in the Midwest and Florida. We also shipped to several conferences across the country, but of course, as we all know, the pandemic has certainly changed things um, quite a bit. And so the conferences are not as much uh, these days, and the one in Chicago uh, was just canceled because, you know, things are, things are just changing. So now more than ever, we need the tools that are offered um, through people like Normandy Ellis, who's about to come on the air with us. So the last final um, announcements are we, um, we have the monthly magazine, we have the weekly radio show. In addition, we have our uh, weekly email newsletter. And in the weekly email newsletter that we send out to the subscribers, you get to um, find out about wonderful events. We cover our Spirit Radio Show and when Spirit Seeker is online, but we also let you know other uh, great things that are happening. And many of the teachers who were teaching in cities are now teaching digitally and online and through Zoom and so many different ways. Um, and so we will be covering more and more the different ways to reach people while we're still sheltering down um, in the U.S. Okay, so if you are a mem- uh, an email subscriber, then you are eligible for free books, free tickets to events, and just all kinds of other happenings that we, uh, we get blessings every day, different DVDs, CDs, books arrive. Um, and so we share those uh, with our listeners and, um, and our email subscribers. We do drawings periodically, and the only way to be eligible for that is to be on our email newsletter. We do not sell it. Uh, you, if you, you know, join us, it goes nowhere other than with Spirit Seeker. Um, so to do that, you can go to the spiritseeker.com website, and there's a join our email newsletter. Or if it's easier to just hit info at spiritseeker.com on your emails, then just uh, send an email to us asking to be added to the email list. The Spirit Seeker website was just recently redesigned. We're still tweaking it, but 
Um, you will find that it's a lot easier to see the featured articles and uh, just find your way. There's still the regular um, copy that you can turn the pages on and read online, but there's all kinds of other information, and we will be growing the website um, and changing it more and more as we go along. Okay, that's it for uh, announcements. So today, I um, am delighted to have Normandy Ellis. Uh, she's been my guest before, but today she will be discussing her new book, Hieroglyphic Words of Power, Symbols for Magic, Divination, and Dream Work. Uh, Normandy uh, Ellis is an award-winning writer, workshop facilitator, and archpriestess of the Fellowship of Isis. She's the author and co-author of several books, including Awaken Awakening Osiris and Imagining the World into Existence. Uh, and she leads towards the Egypt. She lives in Chesterfield, Indiana, and you can find out more about her at her website, which is Normandy Ellis, spelled N-O-R-M-A-N-D-I-E-L-L-I-S dot com. And without further ado, I welcome uh, Normandy. Thank you so much for being my guest today. Oh, Cindy, thank you. It's really great to be here. <laughs> you have been a busy woman. Um, I mean, this this. This book has a lot in it, and um, but let's just hear your journey. Like, when you were a young, I mean, I don't know, when did you start getting fascinated with the Egyptian culture? Um, you know, for me, my parents uh, received this, this beautiful table covering. It was like an, um, a dresser scarf. Remember those uh, back in the day? And it was given to them from this couple that lived across the street from our family, and you know, I was just a little girl. And when it, and it was the Egyptian pyramids, and it was like this, they had like dye and ink, but over the years, it turned into just black and white. But I carried it around with me from the time I was a little girl all the way through, and I finally made it to Egypt in 2008. But, um, but for you, when did your fascination start? Because you're like, you're an expert here. So, so let's hear your story. <laughs> well, um, <laughs> I tell this story a lot which is that I, I sort of knew about Egypt. I've been studying metaphysics and the occult and, and especially Dion Fortune. And so it was sort of in my psyche in the background. And one day I met a friend who had just come back from Vietnam who had been trained by the Rosicrucians to assist souls in transition while he was there because he was a medic. And um, we began talking about metaphysics and life after death and, and what you need to know, how to equip the soul. And he suggested, uh, I would say he took my, suggested as in he took my hand, he walked me across the street to the bookstore and said, here, buy this book. You know? So it was Wallace oh. Budge's Book of the Dead. Yeah. Oh, uh, Wow. Yeah, so if this was very direct. It was like spirit was giving me a definite point in this direction. So I bought the book, but I didn't think too much else about it. However, that night he came over and he had this huge box full of all of his Rosicrucian teachings and texts that you really you're not supposed to share and pass around. And he said, uh, my building where I live has been condemned and I need to move out. And the problem is I'm leaving tomorrow to go down south. He was uh, worked on a riverboat at the time. And he said, I have nowhere to keep these materials, but I know they'll be safe with you. And, oh, by the way, it's okay if you read them. So I was like, oh. okay. <clears throat> so wow. two things came. And then I moved to Colorado. And he had not come back for his stuff. 
So I thought, well, I'll just take the stuff with me. He can get in touch with my mother. We grew up in the same neighborhood. He knows where to find her. And I'll send them back when he needs them. I never heard from him. Never heard from him. And a year later, I open a newspaper and discover that he had been murdered, and they found his body in the river. Oh, Oh my goodness. And at that point, everything he had left me, his gift to me became very apparent. You're supposed to do something with this. I mean, I would open my closet and that box with all the stuff and it would start vibrating. And I was like, okay. So when I had to take a translation workshop, I know, I know both of those things were in my possession and I really knew spirit had directed me to it. So I was in Colorado getting my master's degree in creative writing, and I took a translation workshop, and we had to work in two languages, and I only knew Spanish and, and English. And so they said, okay, what other language do you want to study? I said, I don't know, hieroglyphs? So that's it. That's <laughs> how it laugh. started. <laughs> but you know what? They're probably like, they probably expected you to say German or French or, you know, something. And yeah. Here you are. Hieroglyphs. Wow. No, well, hieroglyphs. So Rosa, had you opened it, <laughs> but you would probably open that box by then because, you know, I've studied with the Rosa Christian. Oh, yeah. It's so many symbols and so many, like, like yeah. Oh, yeah. The symbols were showing up in my dreams. Uh, you know, the box was vibrating. Sometimes I could hear it talking. I was like, yeah, there's something here i got to pay attention <sighs> to, you know, so... Yeah, it's so interesting. Okay, so there. So, yeah. so then, how how was this? You just delved into it, and um, so so uh, yeah. the rest of the journey, like you just talking. I'll, I'll ask questions every once in a while because you have so much knowledge. Just keep sharing. <laughs> okay, so so what ended up happening is that I got several books that were various translations of the hieroglyphs and some copy books. And so I started copying the glyphs over and comparing the, the symbols and realized that there really wasn't, um, there wasn't a word for word translation of the book of the dead that didn't sound like gibberish, you know? Um, And so then this is like a 10 year process that I'm studying these glyphs and I, I'm translating the beginning of the Egyptian Book of the Dead, Papyrus of Ani, to the end. And then I come back and I start again. And then I come back and I start again. And each time I'm layering different things. You know, I'm looking for how do the symbols resonate to what the meaning should be. And I'm working with hieroglyphic dictionaries at this point. And when you read the, the text, it's like a literal translation doesn't have any of that beautiful poetic imagery in it. And so I wanted to put that back into the language that I was working with. Um, and so then I went back through and I realized, oh, there's, there's this whole um, sort of a sound vibration that goes on with this. Um, because we know that the voice is part of the vibration over the water that creates you know, our reality. In the beginning was the word. And that word has a sound. And the Egyptian glyphs don't have any vowels. So it's like, oh, isn't that interesting? There's something hidden in here. And so I started working with the sound of the language in a poetic way, the repetition, the the assonance, you know, and so on. And then I went back Mm -hmm. and I looked at the, okay, now the mythology is missing. 
it just says Ra does this, but who is Ra? What's his story? So I go back and I add all that. And in the 10 years I'm doing this, I realize that I'm writing my own Book of the Dead, which is what every single scribe ever did. They wrote the book for themselves. This Book of the Dead means this, you know, to me. This is my story. And so that's what it was. That became Awakening Osiris. And um, I was a lover of glyphs ever since. (laughs) This is fascinating. I mean, you know, because the sound is part of the whole healing culture, you know, with, um, they knew so much. Like, I mean, the sound healing chambers, I mean, my gosh, like they were built forever ago and they're still perfect. Right. That's right. Right. And, you know, when you're you're speaking as a spiritualist, which I am, and we talk to the dead all the time, and, you know, you are being impressed with an image, you hear the sound of someone saying their name so that you can pass that information to the person who's sitting in front of you. And so, you know, and then they begin to tell their story. And so all of this, you know, is part of a spiritual practice of seeing clairvoyance, listening, clairaudience, and um, I guess clairsentience, which is telling the feeling of this whole story. All of that was in the, the hieroglyphs for me. Mm-hmm. Well, and, you know, with you uh, being given that box, I mean, that's so interesting. I mean, there's no accents. We know that. You know, but, but right. here you were with symbols there and then everything else just leading one thing to another. Um, and, you know, I, why do I just never realized that in the Egyptian language with the hieroglyphs that they didn't use the vowels? I don't know how to know that, but, um, but there's so much to know, you know, but, but with this book, okay, well, let's start with your, when you, when you came out with your first book, I mean, had you gone to Egypt yet when you finished your first book? No, I had not. I had never been to Egypt. Egypt had come to visit me a lot, <laughs> but right, I right. had never I been to Egypt. Yep. <laughs> yep. When I went right. to Egypt, no, listen, I understand this because when I went to Egypt, uh, there were, there was, I went with sound healers. There were 40 of us from all over the world that went. And <sighs> the guy, one of the guys who had written this book on pyramids had never been there, had never been there. And he right. wrote this whole book on the pyramids. And so when we got to the temple of, um, uh, oh, my gosh, not a segment. Okay. And, you know, segments under lock and key. And so we, oh, were, yeah. we were told, oh, yeah, we were told, do not say a word. Let us, you know, we had guys with us. Let us talk to the guards. I mean, there they are with Uzi machine guns, right? And you're like, oh, my gosh, uh-huh. like, what is going on? But, you know, you just kind of surrender. And so we went into the you know, a uh, segment and this guy was so knocked back by the power of segment that he hit his head. And I mean, it was just like everything like came at him at once. Well, all of us wasn't just him. I mean, we were feeling mm-hmm. her power and I mean, it was just something else, but you know, I think it's fascinating to write a book about a place you've never been, but it's because you were meant to do that, you know, and, and that's how this works. People just, or, you know, it's like channeling in a different way, if you know what I mean. It is. It is. And, you know, and it was so bizarre to have finally published this book with the very first little 
um, advance that I had gotten for the book from my publisher, I ended up being able to go to Greece to visit my mother-in-law who was there. And then I was, I traveled to Egypt. I was going to meet a friend there and we were going to take my first sojourn there. And uh, the day before I'm supposed to go, my friend who was in Afghanistan at the time with her husband, who was in the state department, her uh, bus that she was riding in went off a cliff and she did not die. But she was in a coma for months and months after that, which severely changed her life. And I was on a plane to Egypt to meet her, and she was not there. And so my first trip through Egypt, I'm alone, you know, and I don't know anybody. I haven't made any of the arrangements for travel through the country because she had all of that. And so I had to, you know, do it real fast and say, okay, I'm putting myself in your hands. And it was the most amazing thing you know um you I felt like I had you went by, by I'm sorry you went I by went by yourself. myself I did I went by myself I had only traveled to Greece with one copy of my book <laughs> and I went to Eleusis and I said a prayer and I threw it back as far as I could into the cave as an offering you know so and then Beautiful. I get on the airplane and I go see Egypt and uh, she took me in. Oh, she took me in. And, uh, you know, it's been a blessing ever since. I've, almost 30 years now that I've traveled to see her. Wow. The Temple of Isis really struck me. Um, you know, they I, I don't know when they moved it to that island. But, um, but, you know, like, okay, so the trip that I was on, we just didn't understand because we would have to get up like at four o'clock in the morning and we were whining and complaining. Why do we have to get up at four o'clock in the morning? Well, you'll understand later. <laughs> and then we like would... every trip I've ever led. <laughs> oh, I know. Oh, I know. You know, and you just like, you just get into the rhythm and, and you, you hear people still bitching after a couple of days and you're just like, look, you know, like be happy. We're here. And so we understood it after we had two or three days of that. And then we did some tour at noon in the heat right with all the people but with temple of isis it was extremely striking we we um arrived and went by boat as you know to get to the island and um and so we were there at like six in the morning we we got to see the sunrise and the high priests were there and you know i mean not high priests but the priests were there and all of this and then you know we were all given time to do our own time with this energy i mean we had some group ceremony initially well then we're leaving right and what, what a shock. I mean, it was just like when we came out of the, the grand, uh, the great Sphinx. I'll tell you that in a second. But when we, when we are leaving the island, here come all the boats of all the That's tourists. Right. It was like 830, I think. I was shocked. I mean, I can't even imagine what that would be like to have all those people on that island all at one time. But there they were. And they were, literally were running and snapping pictures as they were running. And I was like, oh, you know. And, and I looked at the outside amphitheater there. I mean, everyone on my photos caught all the orbs. And I could see it when I was even looking at it. But all these, this energy there. I mean, it was, you know. I mean, I'm speaking to the choir here. I mean, it was just you know, it was just amazingly <laughs> extraordinary. And then when we went into the that's, Sphinx, the Great Sphinx, that's the very first place we went at our four o'clock in the morning, right, uh, waking up things. And so the lights went out when we were in there, and we had to come out in total darkness. And and no one. Oh, told when you me were in the Great Pyramid. 
And no one told me it was like yeah. crawl space going up. No, you know that you don't you don't tell people. They just oh we're gonna go on this great thing. And so and so here we are. Yeah, I had a backpack. You had to put it between your legs and, and you know, you know, you got it. And so it was fabulous inside and that was where one of the healing chambers was. Um and then when uh-huh. we came out, you know how you just like come out that side, like you're out in the side of the pyramid and there's the whole desert strip filled with tour buses. Like like it's just I mean, I don't know how you do your tours, but you know what I'm talking about, I'm, I know. But it's like to have that private time was exquisite. Right. We do. I love the private time, you know, just exactly what you're talking about, going in the dark to the Temple of Isis. I have my group go in silence because it's called the Island of Silence, Bija, which is where Osiris is buried, and the priestesses. Uh, were said to, who served Osiris, were said to have lost their voices from crying over his death. But they would sing. They would be able to sing. And so anyway, we would go in silence, and all you could hear was the lapping of the water against the sides of the boat. You know, they'd cut the motor, Mm. and you just hear this lapping of the water. And then you get out, and it's dark, and the cat, the temple cats come down to meet you at at the dock, the little tails are erect and they're wrapping around your legs and you're just walking oh, back yeah. all the way back to the sanctuary and doing your ritual there. They allow you to do the ritual if you have private time. And the minute those bo- those boats come with the other tourists, your time's up. You know, so, oh, yeah. um, oh, yeah. but it's that's really that, sweet to get that private time. Yeah. And I remember going and having private time, going in in the dark, one time we went into the dark and came out and the sun was just coming up from the great pyramid, you know, and th- mm-hmm. at that moment, the tour buses had not yet come in. Uh, Cause this was January, I think. And there weren't all that many people there this first time. Um, and I remember going around behind the pyramid and lying down in the sand and just watching these birds of the morning surfing the energy waves. They would make these spiral circles around the pyramid until they got to the apex. And then they would shoot off to the next pyramid and spiral down and then come back up. And when they hit the apex, they'd shoot off to the third one. And I just watched these birds surfing this energy, you know, that I had been feeling the whole time that we were in, in ceremony inside. It was amazing. And, of course, between oh. the paws of the Sphinx, sunrise, you know, it was beautiful. I can't even imagine, right? Right. Well, and it's like, you know, you, you're transported anyway, so what is sleep? You know, I, I, I really, like so many people think they have to have all this sleep, and it's just like when you have an opportunity, you know, sleep is by the by. You can sleep later. It's like, <laughs> yeah, but those well, cats, right. okay, those cats, I remember those cats because, um, <laughs> okay, my former mother-in-law, okay, a Jewish gal from New York, was in Israel, and you apparently can't really come. I don't know. She told me that a single woman from Israel can't come into Egypt or something. It was complicated. But because she was part of the tour, she was able to come. So I didn't really know how to introduce her. I'm like, you know, this is my former mother-in-law, you know, blah, blah, blah. And <laughs> the second day she goes, I'm your mother-in-law till you get a new one. Stop calling me your former mother-in-law. And I'm like, okay. <laughs> so we get a couple of ices. And she's like a four foot 11 person who's now shrunk. She's even tinier, but she's a formidable force. And she hears those cats and she starts talking to them in cat talk. 
meowing back with them. Yeah. And they were just like, they just talked back and forth. It was just, it was just fascinating. All of it was fascinating. That's and great. I love that. Um, I love doing ceremony there because it's just very, like, what, when did they move that there? Do you know, um, Normandy? Like, I mean, um, was it just that it was starting 80s. to Okay. Yeah, it was All back right. in the 80s. It was just, and when they built the the high dam, not the low dam, but the high dam, and that high dam flooded the true island of Sile. And so this uh, this whole temple was moved to another island, and that island was sculpted in the shape of the previous one so that everything could be Amazing. arranged as it had been. Amazing. Yeah. That's just, like, incredible. Wow. So... um so when you went on your own, did you just find a guide and you just found your, you know, you just trusted and found your way to, um, you just, how did it all <laughs> unfold? <laughs> I'm just I, it did. Uh, well, when I walked into the airport, this was before the new airport. And so the minute you walk in, you're just bombarded with people, taxi, 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 you know, yeah. <laughs> it's like, mm-hmm. oh my God. Yep. And so I gravitated toward a table where there were uh, brochures about tour guides. And so I looked at these tables and I kind of felt the energy and it's like, okay, this one, you know, what do you want to do? And so I only had a week and I said, this is where I want to go. He arranged for me to have a boat. I got my own private driver um, and a translator because the driver, I don't know, for some reason was not allowed to, to talk to me, only the official guide. You know, so so I get there's a pecking it. order. There is a total pecking order. Yep. Yeah. <laughs> and I mean, so here's this story. It's very true. Yeah, this yep. story about that is that I get in with these two people. And I'm going to an oasis to uh, Hawara, which is the closest in oasis from Cairo. And I'm in the back by myself. It's an incre- At this point, it's an incredibly hot day. This was July that I was going. Egypt and I don't know why Um, so I'm in the back and um, the driver stops every few feet and the translator the tour guide gets out and he talks to someone you know on the side of the road and they have this conversation and then they shout at each other you know how the Egyptians do and then he gets back in the car the taxi and we go a little further and he kept doing this you know and I thought I said to myself, what in the world is wrong with this man? What is he doing? We'll never get to the oasis. And the driver, who's not allowed to speak English, says to me, oh, he just needs to get a duck and bring it back to his wife because she wants to eat some duck. And if he doesn't bring it home, she'll hit him with a skillet. (laughs) I thought the guy didn't understand English. (laughs) Oh, he understood every single thing going on here. How funny. Oh, my gosh. I know. So, funny. Yeah, it was pretty funny. <laughs> well, you know, we arrived in Cairo um, at 2.30 in the morning or something. It was just crazy. And and I thought it would be pretty quiet. It is not quiet at 2 o'clock in the morning in Egypt. No. And when we hit the first, no. um, the first, you know, one of those turnstiles, like the circle things where you can go in all these different directions, there were right. camels. There were taxis. There were um, carts with horses. There, there was everything all, like, in the same little thing, squished together. I don't even know how they drive. I don't know how they do it. <laughs> it was, like, I know. You know, what I in know. the world? Right. 
And then we went to, okay, I might have it wrong, but is it the Temple of Dendara that's the one where they have the sound healing chambers as well? Sakara. Oh, Sakara. They have the Sakara. Right. And our time, okay, was 11 or 11 o'clock at night, and I just assumed we would be the last ones, you know, that would have um, the, the time in there. And, oh, no, we came out, and at 1 or 1.30, there was another group behind us. And so I guess they just let private groups come in, like, all night long. I don't know. But, but then we were going through the towns, and the people are still up. I mean, it's mainly men. You don't see very many women out at all at that hour. But their culture has really changed. And the way they learn English is watching TV. Right. That's, that's what right. I was told. Well, that's, that's how I learned Arabic, was watching TV. <laughs> oh, funny. Funny. Yeah. That's a hard language to learn. Yeah. It is. It so is. Do you, so do you read it or do you, or can you speak it as well? Um, I speak certain phrases. I don't have a lot of, you know, words at my disposal. The ones that I need to know, I learned. Um, and I can mm-hmm. do numbers now. Um, I can read numbers as well as, as speak the numbers. But they don't expect me to know what the numbers are. So it's fun when I'm shopping and I know what they've marked it as, and that's not what they tell me it's worth. <laughs> so you know. Yeah, so it gets I mean, to be some fun culture. haggling. Yeah. Yeah. Yes, and they enjoy yeah. that, yeah. But but talking about your book, okay, this this brand-new book, The Hieroglyphic uh, Words of Power, um, I love how you describe that you started working with the symbols and you would draw them and then just put them in – um, the information would come to you. So let's talk just a little bit about what that process was like. And um, because as much as you'd worked with the hieroglyphs, it sounds like with this book you did it a little bit differently. Uh, unless, you know, maybe I, you, you described no, it. No, that's I was true. Like, wow. Yeah. Yeah, that's true. Um, when, I, when I was doing the first book, I was not uh, an ordained spiritualist minister. Um, nor was I, even at that time, a priestess of Isis. I became that later. Uh, But when I was doing this particular book, uh, Hieroglyphic Words of Power, I'd been studying the hieroglyphs for years. But this time, you know, I kind of went back to my um, childhood where I loved to draw and to paint and that I would understand something if I could draw it and paint it. And so I began to practice with the hieroglyphs and just draw them on these little cards. Um, I wanted to put them on papyrus cards, which are, you know, leaves of papyrus, because I had seen the uh, shaman in Peru reading coca leaves, you know, with the dots, patterns, and stuff on them. And I thought, you could do the hieroglyphs that way. That was the first idea that I wanted to do the hieroglyphs as an oracle and so I would practice drawing them on the papyrus and then I would um, sit in my room I would meditate sit in my room and basically go into trance and ask my guides what are these things you know Um, and they would tell me and they gave me the numerology for everything that I needed to know uh, for that, wow. so they gave me like layers of meaning on top of it. Wow! Yeah, it was, so it was interesting. So, so what what happened when you started working with the with the unk? I mean, because that 
That is such a symbol. And for, for the listeners that really are not aware of what the Ankh is, maybe you could just talk a little bit about that very powerful symbol. And a lot of people, a lot of people know it, but they don't really understand it. Right. Well, Ankh is basically, it looks like, uh, if you know astrology, it looks a little bit like the glyph for Venus. Okay, and if you don't know astrology, it's that uh, woman with the arms out that you see on the bathroom door as opposed to the male symbol, okay, which is a little more phallic looking. So an ankh is similar to that. Now an ankh is, um, it is considered the image of uh, Isis. It's the image of life. It's the image of motherhood. Um, it is uh, the womb you know, uh, with the uh, very masculine uh, stem that's inserted, let's say, into the womb. And so it's the image of birth and life, okay? And it's that whole constellation of energy about eternity, uh, beginning, ending, starting again. Um, it's the key to life. And it, it, it is through the mother that the key of life presents itself. Uh, I, I really like down. it looks how like a you, baby crowning. <laughs> I never thought about oh. that, but you were right. I yeah. never thought about that. How interesting. I used to be a nurse, so I've seen a lot of babies born. So, <laughs> so I know all about oh, that. Oh, yeah. I bet you have. Um, yep. <laughs> yeah. So so I'm just going to read just a tiny bit um, from the article that is in the July issue of Spirit Seeker on page four. Okay. Um, the Unc particularly invigorates those who have entered the afterlife. For example, the goddess Hathor fondly offers the unk to her newly departed companion, Nefertiti, and the, uh, the Duat. The goddess holds the unk to the queen's nose so that she may breathe in the fragrant renewal. Whatever seems to have died, person, project, love, yet it shall be renewed and live again. Like the Sa hieroglyph which the Ankh resembles, it offers magical protection. One more sentence. Still others suggest that the Ankh may represent a sperm penetrating an ovum at the beginning of life. And then you say, I do not dispute any of these ideas, believing that these similarities are the way one's mind constellates a fuller poetic meaning of a symbol, albeit uh, albeit somewhat abstract image. And then, I'm sorry, I was going to quit, but I, I like this. The unk uh, often offered by the hands of goddesses becomes an especially feminine symbol. And then it was very much like you were talking about, it's the, the unk represents the mother in the womb through which every one of us are connected. I mean, how beautiful is that? It's just, it's just so, so it really all of it dovetails together. Right. Yeah. Life after life so. after life, repeating lives. Well, here's another little, little thing. The scribes were really fond of puns. And so some people have said, and including some scribes, said that the Ankh was actually an image of a sandal strap. So you could think about that where, you know, one strap goes between your toe and then there's a band that goes across your foot and then there's a loop around your ankle, right? Oh, how interesting. So so they said the Ankh was a sandal strap. And um, why was it a sandal strap? Because it was related to Ramses the Great. He gives life wherever his sand- he puts his sandals. That's what he says. Wherever he puts his sandals, there is life. 
And the story was that he had so many courtesans and he parked his sandals under their beds. <laughs> oh, my and so the scribes okay. found that very funny to talk about his sandal straps. <laughs> oh, my goodness. There's a lot of knowledge in that, right? It's like the code word for right. um, fertility a little bit. Yeah. So that's probably where the fertility partly came with this. How interesting. How interesting. Mm-hmm. So so let's talk about the Hathers just a little bit because I have always been fascinated with, um, I mean, that's what took me to Egypt because they, you know, I was studying sound healing and then all of a sudden the Hathers just, you know, like you could feel them. You could actually feel the Hathers talking to you. And I love how they yeah. were so telepathic and just just able to beam love, beam all kinds of stuff. So let's talk about the Hathers for people who know nothing about, like, who are the Hathers? Okay. Well, Hathor, for one thing, is, is considered, uh, Hathor herself is considered a cow goddess. And there are seven Hathors that accompany her. Um, you see, when you're in the temple of Isis, you see the seven pillars that are out in that courtyard that all have Hathor heads yeah. on them. Right? And what yes. I love is that oh, at I the very it. top and when... <laughs> Yeah, when the sun comes up, because Egypt is built for sunrise, when the sun comes up and crests over the top, one at a time, the light beams will touch those Hathors and light them up. You can sit there in that courtyard and watch those seven Hathors light up, and it's just like their eyes suddenly have light inside them. It's brilliant. It's really brilliant. So the seven Hathors were um, musicians. They were linked to... Uh, sound and musical healing. They are often depicted carrying frame drums, uh, sistrum, uh, lutes, um, flutes, all kinds of uh, musical instruments. And so they were also believed to be like the seven fairy godmothers. When a child was born, these seven Hathors came down and gave a blessing to them, okay? And so they held the child's destiny. They were part of the destiny. Now, these seven Hathors are also connected to the Pleiades, which are the seven stars um, near Taurus. I think sometimes you see them inside the horns of uh, Taurus in the sky. You see these seven stars there, the Pleiades. and. Yeah, and when you look at the goddess Seshet, who is the scribe goddess, the goddess who is the keeper of the Akashic records, um, she wears the cow horns with a flower that has seven petals inside those horns. So she is also, you know, the goddess who is connected to these very healing uh, destiny uh providing fate invoking uh singers who accompany us through our lives and uh, these are the star people that are are those who seeded egypt yeah i love them i love the seven hathors well and the okay so i don't know if i have the story right but um didn't the women all dress like with masks so that no one knew who Isis was when she was pregnant? Or do I have that incorrectly? 
I don't know. You know, I never heard that, but that would not surprise me, and I'd love that story. <laughs> That's what I was told. Tell me that more about they, it. Uh, you know, well, you know, I, I'd have to look back on my notes, but what I remember is that the seven pillars had to do with um, the whole ISIS energy, obviously, but also the women did not want to disclose um, who, who was ISIS pregnant. And so they all wore these, these faces. And so no one really knew who ISIS, which one was ISIS. Right. I don't know. Well, Maybe that that's makes wrong. sense. You don't, that you would don't make sense as to why ISIS and Hathor get confused. Yeah, because they all wore the Hathor mask. Right. And they all looked the same. All these pregnant women were walking around with to protect her identity. I don't know if that's true. But I, I just wondered because I was just like, how – how amazing, you know, like just how connected they all were. Isn't that interesting that even in this day, there are women who wear veils to conceal who they are, you know, even in this day, mm-hmm. in that culture. Kind of, if right. you thought about well, it that and, way, you wouldn't be as worried about these women walking around in their black jobs and, and veils, you know. Mm-hmm. I know uh-huh. that with wearing masks, Oh, we're all seeing each other's eyes much more, you know, and the kindness in some eyes, you know, when you connect and then in other eyes, you can just, I I mean, think about it. I mean, we're all Mm -hmm. like totally different experience, Um, you know, and and it's like, you know, it's through a lot of cultures, you know, where, you know, well, we know this, but, but, but I also really like how you shared uh, just some different, different insights. And one is, um, oh gosh, number number six. I really like this one. Our family connections are lifelines to the world. Keep those connections, love, light, clear. If there are family rifts, release and forgive. Life's too short for anger. Your body is a temple for spirit. Care for it. Let hope in. The ankh here may indicate in addition to the family. So you went through all these different ways of working with that energy. Um, Whatever you want to talk about with that, because I, I love this article. I was just like, oh, my goodness. Okay. And the book is fabulous. All right. I'm, yeah, thank you. Um, the one you read has to do with the numerology of six. So each one of those nine things is a numerological mm-hmm. application of the energy of that particular symbol that we're working with. And six has to do with health and family and love. Okay, so when you're like when you're in a six year numerological year, that's what your life tends to be about. Uh, taking care of other people, okay. taking care of yourself, you know, uh, being in relationship, that type of thing. Um, when you're in a nine year, which is a conclusion of something. So all the nines, uh, the listing is about how that energy comes to an end before it begins again. So it's all numerologically based. And how I use it is when I'm reading for someone, let's say, you know, I decide to draw a card for them. I ask them the month and the day of their birthday, and I figure out their number, and then that's the interpretation that I use with it. So we're in a four-year, which is my understanding that it's about unity. Um, So would Mm -hmm. I look at your number four that you're talking about with the uncle, like put your work under a microscope? And would that be, or is this totally different? Okay, read the number four, and I will tell you how that applies to this year of 2020. 
Okay. I mean, because we have so much going on in our world. Okay, so here it is. Put your work under a microscope. (laughs) Investigate what will make it pulse with life. Listen with a stethoscope to what you have not been hearing. Hear it now in order to fix any irregularities. The big list um, of things that you need, want to accomplish today, this month, this year in your life, doing is being. Okay, so how I'm going to interpret that for this year, 2020. First of all, is that it's 22, which is what 2 plus 2 equals a 22 in this case, is um, a very powerful um, number of initiation. Okay, so it may, you know, uh, equate down to a 4, but it's a in and of itself, it's a powerful number of initiation. And twos, it's two twos, so it's all about uh, learning to work together cooperatively with each other and with spirit. Okay, so that's the master okay. number of 22. And we are on a brand new plan. When you hit a master number, you're booting up to a new level. Well, isn't this just the beginning of the age of Aquarius? Yeah, we are at this moment where we are getting ready to transition from the age of Pisces into the age of Aquarius. And we had, excuse my French, damn well, better learn how to work together. You know, (laughs) that's become very obvious. Okay. And then when you go down to your main number to four, you're talking about working the plan. What is the plan for my life? And we're saying, put it under a microscope trying to figure out, well, what's that coronavirus? How do we figure it out? We put it under a microscope, right? We have to look at it. Mm -hmm. We have to find its pattern. We have to figure out what the foundation of it is. What is it trying to teach us in its uh, appearance in our world? And then how do we uh, move forward with our lives and uh, transmute this into something that we can um, survive, you know. Uh, The other thing I think that's important about this number four is um, it's hard work, you know. Four is not easy energy. 22 is even less easy. Four is about hard work. Um, And so in the midst of everything slowing down to almost a halt, we have an opportunity to go back over the plan of our life and say, mm, what should I be doing now? I'm not doing this other thing. That's completely changed. What do I do now? How do I move forward? Um, and, I, you know, I think we should expect new structures to come out of this. Uh, people are not teaching in the same way. People are not even writing books in the same way, <laughs> you know? Right, right. You know, yeah. and family, you know, all, all of this. Yeah, go ahead. I'm sorry. Go, go ahead. ahead. No, I was going to say no, my no, book came <laughs> out in a, in a, in a four-year, and, you know, it was like all the ways of, of uh, marketing it stopped. It was the last book out the door, and then that was it. There are no places to go and sign books, you know, so it's all got to be done a brand-new way. I agree, you know, and it's like, you know, all the different high school and college graduations and birthdays, like, you know, the people who were born in March, April, May, June, it was all just gone this year. I mean, like, 
it was very different. Yeah. And, you know, people, families, like, you know, my older kids, uh, they have four other siblings and their their dad and his sister and his other sister, it's grown. First it was just the dad and the kids. And then, um, and these, you know, we're talking about kids and they're 20. So actually they're all in their thirties, forties and fifties now. So it's not like they're kids, but they all meet on zoom every single Sunday morning. And I'm just like, wow, mm-hmm. you know, and then they've added like other family members. Now the aunts are part of it and all that. And so they're probably connecting more than they did before because they're all like, you know, all over the country. And this is what I found. I mean, I have seen, you know, like we've had Passover celebrated, you know, birthdays celebrated, all these different, how, I mean, for Mother's Day, you know, I mean, I, I Zoomed with my kids and for my birthday, I Zoomed right. with my kids. And it was like, I mean, it's just like, you know, the Zoom is the new thing, obviously, but, you know, in a lot of other organizations, there's other platforms, but we're all connecting in different ways. And I think that's part of technology. I mean, you look at the Hathers, they I mean, you jump in, but my understanding is that they could literally beam pleasure. They could beam their thoughts. You know, they very mm-hmm. telepathic, and and they use the the uh, you know you wouldn't call them essential oils, but you call it perfumery. The you know the beautiful right. essences and the scents and all that. And it's like you know they knew all about this way before us. And then what? Okay, I forget what temple this was, but it was with all the medical instruments and. I looked at that wall, having been a nurse, you know, and in operating rooms and delivery rooms and all this other stuff. And I looked at that wall and I'm like, oh my goodness, they had forceps. Uh-huh. They had, they had the pa- the pacifiers that you know, the little nukes that were shaped clay in the shape of uh-huh. the baby's mouth, well, just like just like we use today. But it was like, look, it was like being in an orthopedic or you know, whatever. It was like being in an operating room, looking at all these tools, and they had them back then, Normandy. I mean, like, what? The I heck? know it's amazing. It's like. Yeah, Kamombo. Right. It's Kamombo is the temple. Yeah. Oh, that's right. That's right. Okay. And and then in there, you know, I I just I, I I feel like, you know, we're similar spirits with this. People just like know when people are fascinated and one of the guides took me to the back, like way in the back of that temple and said and pointed way up, looking up high. And you saw ships what looked like helicopters and it was like they came by sea, they came by air, they came by land. Like these intelligent beings and I don't know it was and then we saw the Rosicrucian symbol at one of the um or the Rosette stone, Rosetta stone what am I saying like the the, the flower of life. wow the, you're, you're um, at Abydos yeah and it's like yes, tattooed yes. into the stone almost yeah yes. it's beautiful but you kind of have to know it's there you have to know it's there it's like kind of like not just I don't know I, I just found it fascinating that there's teachings within the teachings within the teachings and then and in the museum, we went a wrong way, and we were someplace where we were not supposed to be. We kind of got in trouble a little bit, but not really. I mean, there's like the guards were like, "Excuse us, you know, you're not. Excuse me, you're not supposed to be in here." And um, but we got to see like the back rooms where they were preparing the artifacts, and it was just. I mean, I don't even know how we made it oh, turn, but we did. I don't know how you made it back there. <laughs> I've tried to get back there for years, and they keep saying, "No, you cannot go. You are not a doctor. You do not have your PhD." Well, I thought, to hell with that. I'm going to go get my Ph.D., and I just finished it this year. So I can go back in that back room next time and say, look, see, I got it. Oh, (laughs) yeah. When you see it, you're just going to be fascinated. It's just like things everywhere, but each person, like each table has, like, I don't know. I thought it was fascinating, but obviously we were in the wrong spot. But um, 
but but you know, Normandy, what the, like like your book coming out right now, and I just want to uh, tell the listeners if you want to know about Egypt, this is the hieroglyph. She's got all the different deities and all the different hieroglyphs, and each one has a page, um, not a page, but a section. And so the hieroglyph is there, and then like I just opened it, I wanted to see what, I, um, and it's to Thoth, and Thoth is the Lord of Time and the bridge to God consciousness. Part of his name is written right. with the hieroglyph of the Akbird, which we can see in the images above, um, and and on it goes. Like this, you know, it's just beautiful. It's absolutely beautiful, and yeah. I would think putting a book together like this had to be such a journey. It was fun. It was really a lot of fun. And, you know, I have to say, like I said, I, I would spend my mornings um, going into trance and writing and uh, accumulating page after page after page. I wasn't even reading them. I was just writing. Then I would close the book. Mm. And then when the book was full, I would get another notebook and I would start and I would fill it up and then I would close the book. And eventually I you know, stopped. And I said, what happened? You know, I talked to my guides, what happened? And they said, well, you're done with the glyphs now. You have to figure out how to put it together. <laughs> I was like, oh. And you okay. handwrite, you handwrite, am I understanding yes. you handwrite these books? This is why, yes, I, okay, so like for the last five minutes, Wayne Dyer has been coming in and I'm like, why is Wayne Dyer here? So Wayne Dyer is here because Wayne Dyer hand wrote every one of his books. I don't know if you knew that. I think it's and, important. And I did not know that. No. Well, there's something to be said. This is why when you write affirmations, if you just listen to them or there's something way more powerful when you write the affirmation because there's something between the mind and inscribing it on paper. There's something between that process that's very, very powerful yeah. because you're seeing it, you're writing it, there's the whole energy in it is imbued with it. And um, yeah, what, what Wayne Dyer did is, he, yeah, he took the I Ching and he worked with, what, there's 78 or 72 verses of the I Ching. And, yeah, 72. Um, not yeah. the I Ching. 78. Isn't yeah. the I Ching? What, I think yeah, it's that the doesn't I Ching. sound right, the yeah. I Ching. Yeah, okay. Okay, well, he took each one, uh, he, he, each day he wrote about one of the 78 uh, teachings. And and he did, he, it's very similar. And he would handwrite everything with the symbols, with the knowledge and everything. So very few people handwrite things. I mean, Wayne Dyer did not even do email until right towards the very end of his life. His kids gave him an iPad and he started to do emails. But his publicist handled everything for him, all communication. He did not do any of it, you know. And, and you know, it was because... Every day he wrote a book, every day. I mean, can you imagine every single day reading a book? But that was, and he, he just had a lot of um, things that supported him in, in doing this. And then every day he had stacks of letters. Uh, people would write to him to ask for donations. And he would bless, you know, one or two people every single day, just bless them. And then he That's would start his sweet. writing. But, yeah, but by the time he sat down to do that, he had, uh, he had gone to Bikram Yoga at five or six in the morning and he had swam a mile. Like he lived on Maui at the end and he took care of Ram Dass. <laughs> like, I mean, that was his deal. Right. He took care of Ram Dass and, you know, be here now, be loved now. And, you know, so it's just like the writing part. That's, I, I just love that you hand wrote these books. I just love that. I, I, well, you're the second I person only that writing. I've encountered. That. Yeah. I started writing poetry by uh, when I was in the fourth grade. Um, by going and uh, getting on the um, 
getting on the the uh I guess I'm trying to figure out find the word for it. Um go into um a fit where I had to write. Okay. And um so I I would have to like do a poem right then. It was like, coming through my hand, you know, that's what's between your pencil and your your mind is it's like the energy that's surging through the nerves in your hand and you just have to I got to write it down I got to write it down I would raise my hand and tell the teacher I got to go to the bathroom you know and so she'd say okay so I go to the bathroom and I pull those brown paper towels down off the wall and I had my ink pen I was in the fourth grade and I would write a poem on the lid of the toilet Right, that was my desk. Wow. And then I would put it in my pocket, and I would go back to the classroom, you know, for the boring math class. And then a minute later, I, oh. you know, or maybe thirty minutes, teacher, I got to go to the bathroom. So she'd let me go, and I'd have I another poem I'd read. <laughs> so they were all in my pockets, and I would throw them under my bed when I got home, you know. And apparently, my teacher called my mother to see if I had a bladder problem. And my mother funny. made me confess that I was I was hiding all my poetry under my bed, and she said, "Young lady, you come with me." She took me to the store. I thought she was mad at me. She took me to the store. She bought me an ink pen, a fountain pen with peacock oh, blue ink. My, my first yes. spiral notebook, and she said, "You copy all these in here," you know. And so that's how it started. What a and wonderful I just, mother. Oh, yes. God bless her. And now I have kept journals from the time I was in the fourth grade until now. And so you want to hear my new project? Now I'm going through those journals. I am looking for the astrological, because I'm an astrologer, astrological aspects that were happening at each moment in my life that repeated whatever the planet's transits are. And I'm able to go to that journal and look it up and say, okay, yes, that's similar. This is the next level of that. And I can write um, sort of an an astrology book that's also an autobiography. It's kind of an interesting project. And I'm doing it all by hand early in the morning. (laughs) So what is your your sun sign? Yeah. What is your sun sign Uh, you're rising in your moon? Okay. And then you're rising? Uh, Capricorn, and I have an Aries so moon, Aries. so I have a definite T square <laughs> in the cardinal side. Well, you yeah. have, yeah, you have air, earth, and fire. That's right. Wow. See, I have right. water, earth, and water. Yeah. So it's because ah. I'm Cancer with Taurus. Although astrologers look at my chart, and everyone says I'm a Taurus rising, except for my really one good friend, and she is an astrologer, and she says, you're a Gemini. I'm like, no, I'm not. But I have so many planets in Gemini in my chart that I think that's why she thinks that. But um, but I'm technically a Taurus rising. But, but you know, in Scorpio moon. Um, oh, my gosh, it's 90 seconds. We have one and a half minutes. Where did our time go, Normandy? Okay. <laughs> so, Annie, I don't I know, but it's believe. been a fun conversation, Cindy. It really has. <laughs> Oh my gosh, I I knew. I was so excited about this interview. I'm just like, oh yes. So final words of wisdom. What would you like to share with us with with this book coming out at this time? And um I'm gonna mention the name again. It is Hieroglyphic Words, the Power, Symbols for Magic, Divination, and Dream Work. 
um, by Normandy Ellis, and there is an article in the July issue. You can read it online. But, Normandy, take it away. What else do you want to share with us in this final, final moment here? Okay. I want everyone to hang on to their hats because we are going to have astrologically a very interesting fall. There will be many changes. We are going to be moving into a brand new vibration. And I want people to uh, think about how they have used the silence of the coronavirus time to manifest, to cook their new destiny. If you're not using the silence to cook your new destiny, think about it now because it's going to pop into 2021. Okay? That's what I'm going to say. Beautiful. Thank you so much. Thank you, listeners. Share the link. The link that you found your way to the show uh, within five minutes after the show's finished, it is uh, downloadable. So you can listen to it again. If you're like, what did she say about blah, blah, blah? You can re-listen to it. You can share it with your friends and family. And please like the show on Blog Talk. They like it when we get liked, and then they give us a little more um, from promotion, uh, from the promotional standpoint. So thank you all so much. Normandy, thank you so much. One day I'm going to Egypt with you. I'm gonna, we're going to combine a group. I just know it. Uh, that'd be great, Cindy. I would love it. Oh, my gosh. I would love it, too, because I, I, there was so much I saw when I went that, you know, the first time you go, it's so much to take in. So I would love to join you um, and you know, experience that with you with your vision. So, so thank, uh, thank you all, and just have a beautiful day. And remember what Normandy just said: we we won't have a time like this in history again, probably ever within our lifetime, with this quiet and and it's a, a global quiet. So we really need to take advantage of listening and and look at the four year which she shared. It's hard work, but we're all gonna uh, get there. So thank you. Thank you. Have a wonderful day. Namaste and Normandy, stay in touch. Okay. (laughs) Thank you so much. All right. Thank you, Cindy. Bye-bye. Okay. Bye. Bye. Talk to you later. Okay. Round two. Name something that's not boring. Laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire. Huh? Ah. Sorry, we were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right, ChumbaCasino.com has over 100 casino style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchases, over limited by law, 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.